everyone. This is Monica from Invisible Not Broken. Welcome back this week. I'm going to make this intro really short because the interview is so long. I'm going to have to split it into two parts, but please listen all the way through because, wow, I know I say this all the time. I'm so lucky. I get to meet some of the best people and some of those wonderful people. Um, Elliot rocks my world. Um, Elliot wrote me an email a while ago, um, a very kind sweet email about that some of my language was um was exclusionary to someone who would be um trans or non-binary and I am not aware of all these terms yet so I wrote back and we had a dialogue for three weeks in which I finally said please just come on the show I cannot be the only person who wants to do better um so this is an interview that covers so much. I mean, we, the non-binary and trans, we had a thorough discussion. I cannot thank Elliot enough for being as open as they were about answering questions I had. Um, Elliot was able to explain things that I was trying to wrap my brain around for a while. And the way that Elliot can explain things, I am so excited to see what Elliot does um, through college and, and beyond. And um, we also discuss a lot of Elliot's health issues. Um, Elliot had Lyme's disease and there was a lot of issues with doctors, especially growing up as a sick kid. We had a lot in common, by the way. Um, and we talk about fibromyalgia. We discuss migraines, uh, versus headaches. Um, quite a theme in this podcast. Uh, we discuss pain management. Elliot has some great tools that they use for, for different ways of treating pain. Um, we talk a lot about whether you can um, deserve or earn. I'm so sorry. I'm on painkillers. If you watch the interview, you'll see me dislocate my shoulder. And it's only a few hours afterwards. So I'm I'm a little loopy, but um, I will try to get through this intro in the proper way it needs to be done. Uh, We talked about body issues um, from a non-binary perspective, as well as just from a perspective of when you start changing and your body is saying things that your mind is not ready for. Um, we talked about school and being sick at school. There's just too much to even cover, and I promised I would keep this short, so I will stop talking. I hope that you will greet this with an open mind, open heart, and really listen to what Elliot has to say. There is so much here. Please listen to both weeks. I mean, just the discussion alone of sex versus gender is really clarifying for anyone who has been hearing things on the news that is like trying to figure it out. I think this really helps break it down. So thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoy. All right. So Elliot, if you could tell me a little bit about what we're going to talk about today, because I think we're going to have to do this in like two or three parts. There's so much to cover. (laughs) Yeah. um, (laughs) So I guess getting into, um, a little bit of like fibromyalgia and chronic headaches and that let's, kind of stuff. Let's that start I, there. Yeah. Let's start. Okay, especially because you just good. had told me about Lyme's disease. And I'm so sorry. I usually read through everything, but I was reading through today. Was, like, um, we had gone through about like five pages of emails with different things. I know. Gonna, so I, know. I, I was like, I have five minutes to drop off my daughter, come back and prepare. I'm going to read through the emails. <laughs> I'm so wordy. I'm sorry. No, you're fantastic. You are fabulous. I absolutely have been adoring you through our emails. So let's let's start with Lyme's disease because that is um that's that that's a beginning at least. Yeah, yeah. Um so I got Lyme um in the 
fall, um, or no, the, I guess like the winter fall, like, uh, from 2003 to 2004. Um, uh, and I was eight, I was in like, I guess, fourth grade. Um, I, that happened like kind of, uh, unexpectedly, I guess. Um, I had like a bullseye rash and we didn't know what it was. And I like went to see my like, uh, doctor and he was like, he's probably one of the best doctors I've ever seen. And he like did some testing and he was like, you know what? Come to children's. And I was just like, so on a Friday night, we just like drove to children's hospital, um, in DC. Um, cause I, I live in, um, Maryland, like not that far from DC, like 30, 40 minutes out. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we went there and then I stayed in the hospital from then on for like weeks. Um, oh and God. I had, <laughs> I had, uh, <laughs> bacterial meningitis at the same time. Okay, so um, you're a little eight year old, which I just had one of those. You just got way past eight. I forgot that that happened that fastly. Um, but how did your parents handle this? If you're in the hospital for weeks, you've been like, I'm just thinking terrified from like a parent perspective, like, oh, he's in the hospital. And I'm, and I know things are different over on the East Coast. We're on the West Coast where our states are basically like country size. But it must have still been a little bit of a thing for your parents to get to you. Did they, were they able to visit every day? Did you have siblings who were around? Um, yeah, so honestly, I don't really remember a lot of it. Um, but I do remember, um, I mean, they were with me somewhat often. I, uh, like, it was around Christmas time. So I think they, like, I was, like, on school break for part of it. Um, actually, I got out Christmas Eve or the day, the Christmas <laughs> morning. It was the first morning I woke up in my, like, own bed. And they still had to, like, rip a whole, like, uh, thing off of me it was the nurse had to come out on her own christmas i felt bad for her oh, too um yay nurses i, I mean there are so many nurses who really oh, deserve yeah. the like bow down too <laughs> absolutely um but yeah so i just remember i spent a lot of time like doing like activities or whatever i like to read and that kind of stuff um i had like i think one friend who visited me um during like the few weeks i was there uh there was like a, there was like a really sad Santa that came and visited everyone because like Christmas time and there's like children in the hospital so it's, it was just like kind of sad. Um. That's such a Charlie Brown Christmas. I mean, that would takes it way past the sad little tree. Yeah, I kind of I, I blocked out most of that Christmas from my memory. <laughs> um, but yeah, that and then the spinal tap that I got when I had because I was like they had to do that when I was there. Um, and then numbing quite didn't work because they like left me for too long. And then by the time they came back, they tried to do it again or something. And so they were like, well, we have to do it. So we're just going to do it. And I was like screaming and like trying to break my dad's hand. It was <laughs> an ordeal. I, mean, I hate to break the news to you, but if you, you told me that you have the hypermobility, if you have any shades of Eller Stainless, none of us get numb. Like they can like, it takes forever. It's so much of the medicine. <laughs> It's a, wow, oh my God, an eight and having a spinal tap. We've talked to people before who are like, spinal tap's no big deal. Like, who the hell are you people? Like, what superpower do you have? I know. I still have, like, massive, like, I'm I'm not even joking with this. I do have, like, post-traumatic stress from mine because anytime anyone gets near my spine, like, touching, I I jump, I cringe. Yeah, no. (laughs) So I, I'm sorry you went through it, but it's nice to know I'm not crazy or a wimp. 
So that was, yeah, it was pretty horrible. <laughs> so how did this go with you getting back to school with missing that much? I mean, I know like at least with fourth grade, it's not like missing high school or junior high for weeks, but yeah. how, how did your teachers handle you being gone for so long? I really don't even remember most of it. Cheers. I, like, I, <laughs> Yay, mental blocks. <laughs> mental blocks right. are there for our protection. <laughs> right. Um, the, I think the biggest part I remember is after, well, a big part of, um, I guess like the symptom that I had with Lyme disease was I got like headaches just like every day, like all the time. Um, and so the, the biggest thing is I would get headaches in the afternoon or by the afternoon. And I often had math class in the afternoon. So I think that they didn't take it seriously because I thought that I was like trying to get out of math class, but like I was actually just like in pain. Um, and so I have had headaches on and off um, since then. And the only thing actually that really helped for an extended period of time was, um, so my dad's a therapist. Um, <laughs> I'm so excited to meet another child of a therapist. <laughs> we're, we're a um, rare breed. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting life. Um, so, uh, he, um, is a, a lot more like open to, I guess, m- like, m- types of therapies that would be considered would have like 20 years ago been considered like quack therapy kind of, I guess. Um, one of them is like EFT, um, which is like emotional freedom technique or something. And it's, it's uh, a tapping technique that works with uh, certain pressure points. And it's a lot more um, in terms of, it's kind of like acupuncture, but without the needles, except it's not as specific. Whereas like this for this exact thing and this point for this exact thing, it's more like, if you like tap and then you do like a mantra, you tap mostly like on your head and some on your fingers and you do like a mantra, like, uh, even though I'm in pain, I still love and accept myself or that kind of thing. Um, and I thought it was the silliest thing in the world. Um, but my dad would, I mean, bless his heart. He would do this (laughs) relentlessly with me every, like every day in like seventh and eighth, sixth and seventh grade. Um, and, uh, we did it every day, multiple times a day, multiple times each time, every time in, in order to like get my headache down until like it would, my headache would start at like, like between like a six and an eight, sometimes higher. And like, uh, then it would get down to like a one or a two, which was way, way better. Um, and that actually almost completely rid me of my headaches for like those like two years and like a few years after. How long did uh, you do it before you started feeling effects? Um, I mean, even just with like the first um, like doing it like once or twice or like doing it like a day, but like, I've, I know that doing it multiple times a day, um, and like every day actually like really improves its consistency in helping you, um, instead of just like help, like an ambulatory help kind of where I'm like, I'm in so much pain, help me right now. Um, (laughs) Oh, that's a fun one to try to get out of. Those like level seven, level eight, level nine. So those are wicked. Yeah. Can't focus on how to get the pain down. So then you're just like still in pain. Yeah. 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 Those are, um, the, the, that's when I start reaching for the pill bottles. <laughs> yeah. Excedrin migraine was my friend a lot. That yeah. That worked for you. Okay. Wow. I, I have a son who has really God awful migraines and like nothing. I've had that. So it only worked for my headaches. I've had migraines too, separately. 
Um, and those are very different, even though I've had doctors try to tell me they're the same. And I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, once more but, than cheap seats, headaches are not migraines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Someone just, a doctor tried to tell me that all headaches are migraines. And then she, she was a very terrible doctor and I left her after seeing her twice. But, <laughs> um, so yeah, um, I've had migraines. Excedrin doesn't necessarily work for that. Just, you know, in a corner crying fetal position, dark room type thing. Mm. Um, but uh, migraine helps for my headaches. Um, <laughs> Not for migraines, but for headaches, yay. But at least yeah. there, there's something. <laughs> yeah. Just going back to the doctors for a second, I feel like getting a doctor is almost like dating. Like the you you walk in and it's like they will tell you so quickly who they are. And it's just important to know that that is who they are and they're not going to change. Dating and doctors, if they are assholes when you walk in the door, they're not going to get better. They're not going to change. They're very kindly letting you know you need to find someone else. Yeah. If they're dismissive of you from the beginning, yeah. they're not going to suddenly believe you. <laughs> Sorry, I have a whole bunch of friends dating right now. And like the the parallels that we get to talk about, it's like, at least I know I'm probably like, if they kill me, it'll at least be legal. And <laughs> I don't have yeah. to worry about as much about like letting people know where I'm at. But I, the parallels between like blind dating and finding a new doctor were, were striking. Yeah, I'm still on the lookout for a new primary care after that. Oi, <laughs> that's a hard one to find. Yeah, that's the unicorn, and especially yeah. with what you're dealing with, because I we have migraines, we have fibromyalgia. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that's um, that's a hard one to get GPs to take seriously. How did you yeah. find out? Did you get the the touch test or? Actually, so that primary care who was like really terrible on pretty much all of their accounts. Like the first time I met with her. So I've had, I mean like, so obviously like I've had like chronic pain in various like areas on and off. And like it, it only in the last like really year or so has, um, like I've had like rotating pain throughout my life generally, like my knees just fucked up for some reason. I don't know why, um, kind of thing, but, uh, it never, like it never really like got into the, where I was like suspecting fibromyalgia because it was like affecting my whole body kind of thing. And that kind of started, I guess, like more in like actually like 2017 kind of. Um, and so I, when I went to her, I like told her that I'd had other chronic pain since like 2003. And so like, she, I guess, I don't know, that made her believe me more, maybe, I don't know, but she immediately was like, yeah, I agree that you have fibromyalgia, because I was like, I think that's something that would ever, because I'd, you know, done some research, but then she, of course, uh, minimized pretty much everything else I said, and told me, and she prescribed me four medications um, all at once, without, like, saying to start them one at a time, she was just like, here's all of these. Um, um were some of them, like, Cymbalta, Lyrica, like, the heavy hitters. Yep. Yep. Oh One my God. Was, yeah. Cymbalta. Yeah. Which I've been since told by someone else who has fibro that that's like the last resort, but she was like, your pain is so high that we should just start you on this. And then we can take you off it once your pain gets manageable. And I was like, that doesn't seem right. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like and the shock is just the, the shock is real. Like, I, I I was on Cymbalta for all three days. It was not pretty. It did not go well. Um, I would rather take my opioids, especially for the ability to get off of them easily. And 
versus the ease of getting off of Cymbalta. This is not medical, by the way. Anyone listening, um, don't sue me. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is personal experience only and anecdotal experience. But oh my god! So Cymbalta and what, Lyrica too. No, not Lyrica. Okay. She tried to prescribe me on Cymbalta. She tried to, she gave me um, Sumatriptan, which is a migraine medicine, but I was prescribed that previously. And I looked at it and I was like, this sounds familiar. And I think that when I, cause I saw another doctor in her practice a few years ago. Um, and I was like, I think that this doctor prescribed me this. And when I took it, I had a horrible reaction and I like was like, my migraine got worse and I was crying and it was just terrible. Um, and she was like, well, I've never heard of that being a reaction of that medication. So it's probably not that. And I was like, like uh, she was, she was very, um, I guess maybe insecure because I came and was like, here's all these things that I'm trying to talk to you about. Um, but she was like, I have 20 plus years in experience. And I'm like, okay, well like I've been in my body for 24. So like, like fight me. Like <laughs> I win more experience. <laughs> Exactly. Like you don't get to tell me what my experience was. Like I've been gaslit by like in actual like in relationships with people before, and that is a horrible feeling. And I felt exactly like that from her. Oh my Um, god! I like I think that one of the things that's making me super happy right now, and it shouldn't make me happy, but it does, is that this term gaslighting is becoming so talked about and discussed. And also, I mean, not just in relationships and abusive relationships and, and politics, um, but also from terms of what doctors do to their patients, because that is one of the most abusive, terrifying relationships if you have an abusive doctor. Yeah. And um, listening to other people's stories and like what came out of Canada where they were doing um, pelvic exams on unconscious women without their consent. Um, and then like the way wake up and goes, things wrong, things weird. No, no, it's all fine. It's just how you're supposed to feel after surgery. Like gaslighting is real. And the emotional and physical abuse in the medical industry is fucking real. Yeah. Yeah. It's super real. And I like, I, I mean, the, and a huge part of gaslighting is like, being made to feel like you're over-exaggerating and what you experience is not actually happening. And like, so like I had to, I like that, that, that like was a part of like the beginning of me starting like the blog that I have been keeping up. Cause like, I was like, I have to write all of the shit that she said to me down. So I don't forget it so that I know that like it actually happened and I was not making it up. And if you want, we will link that in the show notes so people can come and look at your blog. But that's that's actually a brilliant thing. This is some great Spoonie life hack tip there is to like write it all down. Yeah. I mean, they don't they don't look at our charts before we walk in most of the time. She the second time that I saw her, she didn't even remember that I had Lyme disease, and I was like, that was the that was the whole catalyst. <laughs> like you told me, she tried to tell me that that was when fibro started, and because I had been like I had been saying that all of the things that I've been experiencing, like the headaches and the chronic pain that I've had since Lyme have been after effects of Lyme because like I, not chronic Lyme and in the way that other people have chronic Lyme, but like chronic effects of it because I didn't have any other words for it. And she was like, no, no, no. That was when your fibro started. And I was like, oh, okay. Because medical officials have so totally figured out exactly how when fibro starts or understand anything right. about it at all. Right. <laughs> As if it's not uh, like uh, literally just a connect collection of symptoms. And yeah, well, you know, there's one thing that doctors hate. It's not not being able to give you a definite answer. Yeah. And so, so she gave me that. And then, oh, also, I've been uh, diagnosed with IBS. Um <laughs> Because I, you know, and she was, she didn't even really ask me any questions to diagnose me with that, which I was like, so I'm like, I like, I don't know if I, 
fully claim the title, but like I do have like digestive issues and stuff. Um, but anyway, and then she prescribed me a medication for that, um, without, and I was like, well, I want to see if there's something in my diet first, like, like, and so, and the, but she was very, when I asked her, you know, like about like supplements or asked her about, she was like, well, why are you coming to me with this? Like, what's the point? Why am I even here? And I'm like, technically it says to ask a doctor on the side of those bottles. So like, I mean, she's actually, she's not getting paid. Like uh, you are, you are now like, I am paying you. I am your customer. Treat me with respect and kindly. (laughs) But I guess, you know, since I don't want to like take on a bunch of prescriptions, then like, I don't really make the big bucks for them or whatever. So like, they don't really give a shit. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that one of my doctor's friends told me, which shocked me was that they, she said, and this is just anecdotal everyone. Um, but that the way that she knew what the side effects were, was what the drug pill reps told her, but that's how they got most of their information on what the side effects were going to be was what the reps told them. So wow. don't know how true that is. That's just anecdotal, but, um, I don't see a lot of my doctors going through a lot of journals trying to figure out like exactly. I, I go through more like what, is this, I mean, with all of shameless, it's like, am I dying? Is this a symptom? Is this a side effect from the pills? Like, yeah. who knows? It's like a, a mystery wheel. You turn, spin and see. I, it, it's a really fucked up Jeopardy. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take <exactly. laughs> Yeah, it, it's, it's pretty insane. Okay, so we have, um, we have Lyme's fibro, IBS. Is there anything that w- you would like to add to the war and peace that I'm sure that your medical file looks like? <laughs> like the entire uh, Encyclopedia Britannica? Like, oh no, you're probably too young for that. Okay, never mind, sorry. Back before the internet, children. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question for you because um, I, you're about... Uh, 16 years younger than I am and you grew up with the internet so when you were sick and you had symptoms when you were a kid and a teenager were you going to things like google or youtube to find out information about your illness was that well when I was like a kid there wasn't really like it was like dial-up internet and like you didn't really know how to do oh, anything oh you remember like, that sound <laughs> yes yeah my dad works from home a lot like he's an opposite home so I couldn't use the internet when he was working because he'd be on the phone oh the struggle um, is real I oh my yeah. parents used to yell at me about that I was I was like 16 when AOL was out and like if you they had to get two phone lines because they wouldn't get off the internet yeah <laughs> So, um, I didn't really have like the internet, I guess, to look up symptoms then. And I think a, a lot of what I spent, um, just being like, eh, I mean, like, it's probably fine. Like, I really don't love going to the doctor. Um, and I just find that like, it's not like, it's not usually a pleasant experience. <laughs> like I've had very few pleasant experiences with like doctors where I'm like, Oh, that wasn't like a nightmare. Um, <laughs> And that's the best you can pretty much expect. I was like, wow, I didn't feel emotionally wounded after that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't really do that then, but I definitely like have had the use of the internet, like in the last, you know, few years, especially that I've been looking stuff up. And, um, actually I'm in, I'm part of a Facebook group, um, for chronically ill people who are generally like, um, you know, on the younger age range. Um, and, uh, that has actually been one of the most helpful resources for me. And I can, I can tell you, it's like called chronically fully sick, I think. Um, and, uh, it's actually, it's an Australian group coincidentally. I didn't know that when I joined. Um, Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of people from the U S in there too. Um, 
And so that's, I actually asked them about my medications that that like Cymbalta and everything when I was prescribed that, because like what you find like on Google, like Mayo Clinic, like that's only so helpful. Like, yeah. So were you able to get like, did you start the support groups when you were a teen? Did you get support from your friends? I mean, fibro and migraines, and that's a lot of staying home and being sick. How did your friends take this? Um, I mean, so I think a lot of the times with like my headaches and, uh, like high school and that kind of, I would just like push through it a lot of the time. And, um, when I would get like weird body pain, I would just like self treat with like a knee brace or something like that. And just like, and like, it'll be fine in a few days or something. Um, (laughs) I love the optimism of teenagers. (laughs) No, it's good. I'll push through. I mean, I pushed through on ballet with point shoes with, um, I had, uh, I had all of what I have now, but I also, because I decided to run cross country at this, we're going to talk body issues later. That was a lot of anorexia and throwing up. Um, but I had like shin, I had splinters through my, my bones from my hip to my toes. And I was not stopping dancing. It was my surgeon who was like done, <laughs> but no, I can push through one more, one more performance. I'll be good. It's, it's okay. I got this. Yeah. It'll be fine. Um, yeah. And so actually I like, actually, so like my joints were also like, and like my wrists and ankles were also like weak, uh, when I was a kid, it's like after Lyme happened. So, um, I used to like, I did like cheerleading and gymnastics and lacrosse and a bunch of other things when I was in like elementary, middle school. Um, but then by the time I got to high school, the only thing I could do was swimming. Um, because that was like the only thing that wasn't really hard on my joints. And I love swimming, but, um, that's like that also there's a whole, then there's a whole thing like with the whole gender issue and like bathing suits that becomes a thing. Uh, Let's dive in right now. I mean, we're in swimming. We might as well use the pun and go right for it. So let's dive into gender issues. (laughs) And I hate to say gender issues because I, I don't want to like, there's, I, I don't feel like there's anything negative about it except what you probably had to experience. So please educate me because I am old guard. I, um, all I understand is no one's hurting anyone. So why the fuck doesn't everyone get the hell out of anyone's business? So educate me further because you wrote me one of the nicest correction letters I've ever received. It was the sweetest thing. And I always count myself as like, I'm born here in the Bay area. I feel like I couldn't be more liberal if I tried, like you need a mop to go behind me, like for bleeding heart. I am so far left. I don't think there's any further to go. And I was like taken aback for a minute because I'm like, wait, I'm really liberal. I'm really accepting. I don't get what I did. Did I do something wrong? And you said it so nicely. So please educate. Like I am, I am open here for it. I want to know what I've been saying wrong. So let's go to the gender issues. And if you ever want to write me a letter where you think I have fucked up, write it nicely like this. And I will listen. (laughs) Um, yes. Yeah, so, well, so I'm non-binary. I use they, them pronouns. Um, and so, uh, okay, I you guess, are going um, to, have to take things. a minute because a lot of us are my age. So yeah, <laughs> what is yeah, non-binary? Sure. So, we are going, I'm going to actually, I was thinking about this this morning. I'm yeah. going to have at the top of, if you go to the website and you, you click on this interview at the top, I'm going to have a little mini dictionary. So everyone who's my age who hears where it's like non-binary can go, that's what they were talking about. So the quick explanation of what non-binary is. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, non-binary basically non-binary is an umbrella term and it's also an identity term. Um, 
And so like under, I mean, so, so there's some non-binary people who don't consider themselves, uh, to be trans and like everyone's entitled to like their own whatever. But for me, I am non-binary and trans. And so the umbrella of, um, trans, uh, sometimes you can split up. So like it has like non-binary and so there's binary genders and non-binary genders. And so binary would be like man and woman. And what a lot of people assume is that people who are assigned male at birth. Um, so when they're born, they're like, that's a boy. Um, then they grow up to be men and that's just like how it is. And if that's the case, then you're, then that person would be a cis man. And then, um, uh, if you were assigned female at birth and grow up and I'm like, I'm a woman. Yes. I agree with this assessment. Um, (laughs) then, uh, you, uh, would be a cis woman. Um, and there's a space between those words also, um, cause cis and trans are just adjectives. Um, and so, uh, non-binary just means that like, I'm for me, it means that I'm not a man or a woman. And, um, there are some people who may like, go between identifying with one or the other or both at the same time or all or neither. And so there's a lot of different ways to be non-binary. Um, but for me personally, um, it just means that, um, I do not identify as a guy or a girl. And like, that's, that's pretty much it. I don't like, I, I can answer any other questions about that. But. No, I, I'm so, okay. So I want to find out what that's like to go to high school, especially on a swim team. And I am so curious. There's so much that I don't understand. And I I really do come from a place of I don't understand, but I totally support even if I don't understand. So I just kind of want to understand better. Some of my son's friends are trans and one is non-binary. And all I know is cool kid. I I have no idea what else. There's so much talk in the media right now about um, trans as we have RuPaul's Drag Race, which has had some trans people on RuPaul's Drag Race. There's Transparent, which was a very interesting show, but I, I don't know how much these shows are actually capturing the experience. Um, I would say or the challenges. not very well. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> not well, most of them. Um, Transparent, I've never watched. I don't really want to. Um, that show falls into the really, really common trope in media where they have cis men like uh, Tambor or whatever his name is. Uh, playing trans women and that's seen as like more authentic because like uh cis people expect trans women to look like men that's a like air quotes there um and uh so i don't really love that and there's a lot of movies that do that too um and so that's a whole thing um i'd say that there are some like media portrayals that are like getting it right or are like played by actual trans people there's um, the show, the OA, there's a trans boy on there and he's a trans boy in real life. And there's, uh, the show called sense eight, which has a trans woman on it. Who's played by a trans woman. Um, and so there are like some representations that are starting and there's a non-binary character. I've never seen a show, but I think the show called billions, there's a non-binary character. So there, there are, and then, and then also in more indie media, you can find more people on the show, the fosters, like there's a various, um, I guess, representations that you can find. It's just a lot of the mainstream ones are um, not very, uh, I guess, wide in their depth of portrayal. Um, One of the first ones I remember seeing was, I think her name is Laverne Cox on um, Orange is the New Black. Is that right? 
Yeah, Did I get her name right? Because she is so fabulous. Right. And if I screw yeah. up that name, I'm going to be so disappointed in myself. <laughs> no, yeah, you got that right. Yeah. And she's great. And she, um, uh, is, she does like just awesome work, like speaking out against that. And she did like a documentary, I think, um, the other, like a year or two ago. Um, and so there, there are definitely like awesome examples of representation. Um, it's just, it, it can definitely be hard to find. And a lot of the people who are, those like pinnacles of representation, um, get a lot, a lot of hate. Um, well, yeah, I I mean, I don't think that surprises like anyone, even those who aren't completely clear on the community, the numbers are staggering on suicide and violence. And, uh, if I remember correctly, which (laughs) I'm already on my medication today. Uh, so forgive me if I have the statistic wrong, but that, um, trans uh, male to female has one of the highest homicide rates and that the, um, the life expectancy is like down to 30. Is that correct? Or I'll, I'll look it up and, and put oh. in the show notes, but yeah. So it's, so it's, it's like a little more um, complex than that, but like, so it's uh, so trans women do trans women and trans femme, specifically people of color and specifically black trans femmes um, have like the highest murder rates of, uh, like almost any identity group. Um, and their average life expectancy is around 30 or 35. Um, and it it obviously shifts, um, when you're like, like, and non-binary is like non-binary people are pretty much just mostly excluded from a lot of data, um, because people find it like, too difficult or whatever to include us because like, God forbid you have more than just two options on something. Um, (laughs) no, no, we can't handle it. (laughs) Exactly. Our system can't handle it. Our computer or whatever. Um, so yeah. (laughs) So what would you want? Like the, uh, uh, the consensus to look like is where that's been the big issue this year with, um, <laughs> with the Cheeto elect is, um, the census is coming out and it's a new, new questions. Um, what would that look like for gender instead of the male, female prefer not to say? Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's so much with that, like there, they were planning on putting a section actually about like LGBTQ people on the census, but yep. then they of course And then of course it's also, then it's also kind of like a concern because like, are they using this for like negative purposes? Because people have like the, uh, I believe it was the Japanese internment, which they used a census to like find people. And so like, there is a Mm -hmm. worry I think with it. Um, but like in an ideal world, if that wouldn't happen, I think that, you know, just with those kinds of forms, like for, for instance, if, you're asking for sex and it's like a doctor's office and it's for like, there are certain reasons why they would ask for that possibly. And that's different than gender. And like those may, those may be very different depending on the person. And so, um, I think having a gender section and saying like man, woman, and then like non-binary is a great, really easy solution. Um, like the most basic, um, no, you like, make such a great point that there's two separate things that there's the biology, which is sex, male, female, which, um, and I believe that there's, yeah, as well. there's which, a lot of people with different categories, yeah. chromosomes and everything that kind of, because you're yeah. dealing with like very different medical issues for, for either, or, um, and then you would have the gender, which is, um, which is an identifier for, which is not medical. Right. Okay. Right. I'm getting it. 
<laughs> I can be educated. <laughs> right. And then, and then, and then, and also a lot of, uh, those types of places make the mistake of having a category of like woman and then trans woman. And that just reinforces the idea that trans women aren't women when trans is just another adjective as if like, like I, I saw someone put it as uh, I don't remember who it was. And this is horrible. Cause I can't quote it, but someone um, put it as like, you don't say like, I am like a person of like, disabled experience like you say like i'm a disabled person whereas like you don't say like i mean you can say i'm a person of trans experience but like i'm a trans person so it's just another adjective um of someone's identity so yeah no that's that's very that's much more clear and so my question is is high school were you feeling like did you find this out about yourself in high school or did you already know about this so i did not really, I did not fully realize it in high school. That's for sure. Um, I went to a private Catholic school. Um, we have so much in common. <laughs> <laughs> we were not allowed to even have, uh, a GSA. Um, which <laughs> is, uh, sorry, like, he's just watching me dislocate my right shoulder. Right, but yeah, it's okay. <laughs> so sorry, Elliot. Yes. Uh, I, okay. I just moved one side and the whole like arm just came out. It was a, a shocking little moment. Sorry. And I, I said the wrong pronoun too. So I'm sorry, Elliot. I'm trying. I will get better. <laughs> okay. So when you were in, in private high school. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they, we weren't even allowed to have a GSA and a GSA, like a gay straight alliance, which uh. I consider like the most basic type of like LGBTQ <laughs> allyship. Like a lot of GSAs would really just be like a lot of like straight people being like, I'm a good ally, like complimenting themselves kind of just by just being there. And, but anyways, that's off the topic, but, um, no, no, so, you can say, I actually, yeah. my friends and I started, but in, in our, our Catholic high school and, um, yeah, I, I, it was, it was a good first step. <laughs> yeah. And, and then that, it's a good first step, but we didn't, we weren't even allowed to have that first step. Um, and actually no one had even come out as gay in my high school until, uh, two people in the grade below me, um, who came out and I didn't actually officially come out while I was in high school as anything. Um, and it was, it was just kind of like, I mean, even in, in like, I was in theater and a lot of people in theater, like are, it's a little more open to queer people. And so, um, but I mean, even then, even if people like had a notion or suspected, like it was just not talked about at all. Yeah. Um, thank goodness for theater programs and art programs. I think they save more teenagers lives than almost any counseling department can bring together. <laughs> Yeah, it, they, that was definitely a place where I like met a lot of uh, good people. <laughs> uh, there are so many good people in there. So one thing you, you're, uh, we've been talking about with them, the gendering and misgendering and um, dead naming and yes. um, issues. I'm just thinking about for high school because, um, like I said, I have a kid who's just left high school um, a year early because it was just toxic. Um, and watching his friends go through everything they go through at a high school. And we are in the Bay Area, the most liberal <laughs> spot in the probably in the country that you can find. And they're still going through a lot of stuff. Um, and then I had a friend who uh, worked in a school district and the issues were so intense from the administration standpoint on how to handle trans children because they're honestly trying, like at least in the school district, they were really honestly trying to protect everyone. And it was so hard to find policies when 
you're trying to figure out how to keep the locker room safe for everyone. And I know that's an awful thing to say because that's what the Republicans keep saying. But there are some cis high school boys that were really um, trying to push things in a very negative way so that they could get into locker rooms, which took that away from people who really needed to use the locker room that is their, their, their gender. So do you have any insight? Because like she was talking about this and I'm like, I cannot even get to wrap my brain around how this would work. So do you have any brilliant ideas on how this, how to like keep, keep trans children safe and in the areas they need to be in to be safe and be, and then to keep everyone safe from the people who would use that as an end to be gross and awful and... (laughs) Well, so I think like the first step, I guess, is to just like believe trans kids and believe that they're like not like making it up and using it for some whatever, because um, the amount of trans people who have harassed other people in bathrooms is zero, um, Uh like in in terms of like legal, whatever, um, the amount of trans people who've been harassed and or harmed or murdered uh, (laughs) is way high. Um, And then also the amount of white Republican guys who've been arrested for harassment in bathrooms is not zero. So for, like, that's, that's one thing. Um. No, that's brilliant. I, I want to be really clear. So let me just like break it down because that, what I'm trying to say is there are heterosexual cis males who will pretend to be trans so they can have access to, not that someone is, oh. is like, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I just want to make sure that we, I am not a rape. I am not that no, 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 person. I, 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 you're not saying that that's your point. I'm so, like, I understand what you're saying. Thank from. you I'm, for I'm, making that point. I'm so <laughs> hoping you would, because it's just so clear who is being protected by that and who is yeah, left yeah. out and to so, be harmed. Yeah. And it's not, so that's, that's really not protecting trans kids. And like in terms of like people pretending to be trans, that doesn't a like happen like really ever. And, um, if someone were to be like, Hey, I need to use this bathroom, that kind of thing, then like, I guess like, you know, it wouldn't, usually it wouldn't just be like, I need to use the other bathroom and nothing else is changing. I mean, not everyone who is trans and, uh, changes their name when they come out, but some people do, a lot of people do. And so, um, you know, change of names, change of pronouns and that kind of thing. Um, if someone's going that far to say like, call me this other name and call me these other pronouns, they're probably not doing it as a prank. And if they are, then like they're, I don't know who they're pranking like themselves, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) You make such a good point. No, that's, that's very, I like how you, you said that is that it would be like, if I'm understanding correctly, it would be a case by case basis and that the counseling group would probably come together and like, look at the, the student's entire history and what, what else is going on to see if that's actually. Is that how it correct? Yeah. I mean, like if the, if a person, like if a person were to come up and be like, Hey, I'm trans. And like, these are the things like whatever. And, and they're like actually saying those words. Like, I don't know a lot of cis people who like, don't like who would, who would just open up and be like, Hey, I'm trans when they're not. Um, especially because it doesn't really come with any benefits from claiming <laughs> that title. Like it only comes with like increased hatred and like a lot of like societal like isolation. And and so like, there's not really like a lot of benefits. So I think most of the people talking about like, well, what if the men go into the women's bathroom and harass them? Well then like prosecute them because they're still, what they're still doing is illegal. Like, it's not like that we can't prosecute people who are harassing other people who are like, I want to like take, you know, that's, 
yeah, so. I, no, I hear what you're saying. I, 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 and I don't know how far away we are in, um, in what our life experiences have been, but the idea that a straight male would get actually put in jail or have anything bad happen to them uh, for harassment or other is so, can I tell you how happy I am about the Me Too movement and I understand it didn't go far enough and I understand Harvey Weinstein should never have walked out with a million dollar bail thing, but he actually walked in and he actually is going to stand trial. It was so mind blowing to me. So I, I, I love the idea that yes, you know, we, we handle this and we process, we, you know, <laughs> the idea, oh God, brain cells and drugs are not working well together. <laughs> Trying to be yeah. eloquent. Um, the idea that an action would actually have a consequence for, um, for sexual harassment or for quote unquote sexual harassment that are pranks, which are still sexual harassment would just, right. it's shocking to me still. It's like, yeah, that, that can happen. That's a thing. Oh my God. <laughs> what, yeah. what, what beautiful new world have we fallen into where there's consequences? What? <laughs> so um, one of the things we had talked about, and I'm not sure if this goes along with the, um, the, non-binary or if this goes into your experiences with gymnastics, but you talked about eating disorders and uh, body issues. And I, I, I just, from a ballet perspective and uh, girl growing up with Kate Moss, <laughs> heroin chic, yay. Um, the body issues are intense. I can't imagine adding on um, a gender issue on that as well. What, how does that all work in with, with the eating issues? Yeah. So I've had, I guess, like uh, a disordered relationship with eating, I guess, since middle school, I'd say. Um, I like joined Weight Watchers, I think, in like sixth grade. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to think that sixth graders are still climbing trees. <laughs> it's, it's, I, it, I, yeah. I like that. It, it really just makes me so sad for like my younger self that that was the case. Um, And I think it's a combination of just like, it it was, you know, um, just like, there's a lot of, I guess, just really easy things that kids pick up on, like your mom having her own issues with eating and stuff like that. It's very easy to like, see that and then kind of like, put that on yourself a little bit or be like, oh yeah, that's how it goes. Um, And so that was definitely like, I guess, a start of it. Um, And so like, I've had like, not a, like a, a, like a tenuous relationship with that for a very long time, I guess. Um, but I think with gender things, it became a lot more, um, heavily concentrated on like me being concerned about how my fat was redistributed. Um, so because like, uh, like there's like something as simple as like having your hips be like a little too curvy is enough to like, so so I'm non-binary. So no matter what people call me in public, it's pretty much always wrong. Um, (laughs) but after, (laughs) but after being, okay, so I can do this interview nicely. What, what should I use? Because I I accidentally used a pronoun and I'm sorry. So what should I use? Uh, just they, them just so like, I mean, instead of saying like, he went to the store, say they went to the store or like there they are, that kind of stuff. Plural. Yes, it's plural. It's exactly, um, it's, it's since Shakespeare that like, they've been using it like that. Like when you say like, uh, oh, like the male person dropped off a package, you're like, oh, they did. 
You know, but with Shakespeare, package can have multiple, multiple meanings. Shakespeare is great at the double entendre. I think we got broken up. (laughs) We're still recording. We still have the voice going, but you you are frozen in a very entertaining face. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. I hope you tune in next week to hear the rest of Elliot's interview. There's just so much to talk about. I could not fit it all into, into one episode, and I didn't want to shortchange because this is a great great episode. And it's also, I think, one of our most shareable episodes. So if there's someone in your life who is dealing with Lyme's, fibromyalgia, um, depression, or working through some non-binary um, questions, um, trans issues or questions, please feel free to share this with other people who would like to understand these issues a little bit better and from Elliot's perspective. All right. So thank you so much. And I want to remind you, we're a baby podcast and we don't advertise. So we really um, love it when you share us, when you write nice things about us on iTunes and subscribe. So thank you. Tune in next week for the conclusion. And until then, be kind, be gentle and be a badass.